Today, we are going to look at this passage from Galatians chapter 6. If you have a Bible close to you, I encourage you to open your Bible, Galatians chapter 6. We're just going to read the first five verses today. Galatians 6 and verse 1. Let's hear God's word. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. We thank the Lord for this truth from his word. I was wondering just now, as we come into this passage, what your favorite lockdown watch on TV has been. Uh, one of the movies uh, that we watched, actually, the very first day that it came out uh, on TV, uh, we had a look at this Disney one. Maybe the slide can go up now on your screen. Uh, maybe you've seen this Disney Pixar one, Soul. Now, don't worry, I'm not going to try and give too many spoilers or reveal the secrets of this movie, just in case you haven't seen it yet. But if you know us, you know our family, you will know that there are hardly any more uh, people who are completely given over to Disney and all that the amazing things that, that Disney have. But as I've said on many occasions before, if you are looking for a biblically grounded Christian spirituality, you are not going to find that or find any insights from Disney. So I'll say right on the outset that I actually found something new in this Disney movie, Soul. I'd encourage you to have a look at it. And that new thing is that it was a break from that normal Disney narrative, that if you're struggling, if you're facing difficulties, all that you need to do is to look deep within yourself and you will find that strength or whatever you need to get through. Thankfully, there was something, a bit of a break from that. But of course, there were some very familiar uh, Disney themes. Uh, you know that one where, don't like to say it too often, but uh, death is always pretty prominent in some of these movies. You know, Bambi's mom, Nemo's mom, things like that. And again, at death, the afterlife, is of course pretty central. It's a very prominent motif in this. But as I was saying a few moments ago, if you are looking for a biblical perspective of what the afterlife is, you're not going to find it here. But if you can put all those questions to one side... I still think that there is something really important that this movie touches upon. Big, big, big life lessons. And the big life lesson actually that I find that is touched upon here, and it really is huge. It's asking, 
What is the purpose of life? What's it all about? Is life worth living? What is it that makes life worth living? And actually, these questions are presented so powerfully in this movie that you can't avoid thinking about these huge life questions. Now, of course, the the amazing thing about Disney is that whilst these movies are, of course, described as kids' movies, and that kids can get and can, can connect with a lot of the material that is presented in the movie, actually, it's for a slightly older audience, even adult audience. I mean, particularly if you're at school right now or if you're at university and you're struggling through your online classes and you're looking at those screens and you're wondering if this is all that this is about and you're maybe thinking about maybe people who are just a little bit older than you and you're trying to compare yourself to them and you're wondering, is this what they experienced? Is this the sum of what my current university experience or my current school experience is? Is this what I signed up for? Or it's also perhaps for people who are, again, a little bit older. Maybe if you've started work, started a new job, you've got a new career, or maybe you're just generally stuck in the the middle of life, and again, you too have these huge questions. Is anything going to be different from what we are experiencing right now? I mean, is this So this is a movie for the COVID generation. But I will say this. You know, for all the the questions that this movie generates and and tries to, to get us to think about, for all its talk about finding purpose in life and that there must be an overarching purpose to life, it still doesn't get beyond this idea that you sort of just find it around you and that ultimately where you die, you die. And it's perhaps with that background that I want to turn to Galatians chapter 6 this morning. And again, I encourage you to have your Bible open in front of you. And I hope I not over-egging things, because I really don't think that I am this morning. But I think that in this passage, Galatians chapter 6, I can find a purpose. I can find a purpose for living. If you're sitting there and you're wondering, and these questions are there, what is the purpose of my life? What should I be doing with my life? Then I want to show you something in this passage right now. And of course, it's important that as we turn to this passage that we understand, of course, that Paul is writing to a church. And all that he writes is then within the context of the church, but not church in an abstract sort of a way, not a a vaguely connected to church sort of a way, but a real strong living connection with what it means to be part of church. And that's why I think that what the church can offer in our society right now 
is so different, is so essential, so important, because we're so isolated from one another at the moment. The most at times that we see of other people is a, a two-inch square when we're part of an online meeting on a computer screen. If you look at the end of chapter five, Paul has been encouraging us within church to really, really love one another, care for one another. And he doesn't want to leave that in an abstract, theoretical sort of a way. He wants to tie it down. He wants to say, here is something that you can actually and really do. So what we have in these few verses, I think could be described like a vision for church. This is what church should really be right now. This is in many ways, perhaps even directions for us for what church should be like when things get a little bit more normal again so that we can again feel these things. This is the key to spirit-filled living in relationship with one another. Those relationships that of course are real and meaningful. And there's a couple of things, a couple of points that I'm going to draw out of this passage just now. And the first one, and hopefully the slide will come up, and how this has lived up is the first thing about relationships is that it's about restoring relationships where those things have been broken. I mean, look at, at verse one. What you read in verse one is, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should gently restore him. Sometimes people do get caught in sin. They are clearly guilty of transgressions. The devil, of course, sets traps. And sometimes our brothers and sisters fall into those traps. But it is our role, our job as part of church to open that trap again and to allow that person to be free. You know, writing in the New Testament, James talks at times about people wandering from the truth. James 5, 19, my brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. Have you ever seen the effort that people go to when they've lost a dog? If you've been on Facebook for any length of time recently, you will have seen those Can You Find George posters. Evidently, uh, George was out with his owners casually walking the, the beaches of uh, the North Antrim coast, I presume, and the next day he was gone. They couldn't find him anywhere. That was months ago, but they're still putting those posters up. They're still posting on Facebook. Have you seen George? Can you help us find George? Going back here to, to verse one, Galatians chapter six, the word restore that's mentioned here means to put something back in order, to fix something just like a doctor might set a bone that is broken. 
And that's an, an ongoing task for us in the church. It's a challenge for us as a church that we would be looking out for people who are broken. And it's hard, of course, at the minute because... We are slightly more distant from one another than we have been. It's hard to find out at times how people really are. It's hard to see those people who are really struggling at the moment because we can't see people just as often as we do. But there's a reminder in this verse that we should be like those people who are, find George, that we should be looking out for one another, that we can want to restore those who are fallen and those who need that little bit of help. That's one aspect of our relationships, that this passage, this thing that gives you a sense of value, this is something that you can be doing in your life that's real and that's tangible, something that you can do that makes a real difference, that gives value to your life. And the second thing that I see in this passage, and hopefully the slide will show it to you, it's carrying each other's burdens. Read with me in verse 2. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, there's a, a number of things that flow out of, of that verse. The first of them, of course, is simply that burdens are a reality in this broken world of ours. And Paul is assuming that as he writes to the church in Galatia, that they will have burdens and that they will need help. Those burdens, of course, can come in all shapes and sizes. We can have mental burdens, illness. We can have physical illness. It could be a financial difficulty. It could be demonic oppression. It could be an addiction. It could be an issue in your family. And one thing, of course, is for sure, no one, will escape the feeling and the weight of those burdens. Jesus himself said, John 16, in this world you will have trouble. Now the second thing I think that comes out of this verse, verse two, is that we ourselves are not sufficient to carry these things alone. Paul is not only assuming that we will have burdens, but that we will not be able to carry those things by ourselves. And of course, there are those moments that, and as we remind ourselves, that we can leave those things with God. Psalm 55 says, cast your burdens on God and he will sustain you. And yes, of course, Jesus bore our burdens as he died on the cross for us. But there are many times when the answer to our prayer that God will you carry me is fine because other people around me in the church are able to offer that help that I need. And there's another thing that I see in this verse, first half of verse two, is that this command to carry burdens for one another, well, that's written to all of us. To be an obedient Christian means that you will, according to this verse, is that you will carry each other's burdens. This is what it means to love other believers. This is what it means to be the church. And as we read on into verse 2, the reasoning about why we do that, maybe the fourth thing that comes out of this verse, is that actually doing this 
carrying each other's burdens means that you fulfill the law of Christ. And you might wonder, well, what does that mean? What is the law of Christ? Jesus speaking in John's gospel says, a new commandment I give you that you would love one another just as I have loved you. There's a simple encouragement that by doing simple, ordinary things, helping other people, carrying their burdens, you are doing the very thing that Jesus wants you to do. And going on a bit further into this passage, maybe looking down to verses three and four, what I get from particularly verse three is that pride stops you from carrying other people's burdens. Verse three, if anyone thinks he is something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Now, isn't that quite a verse? When someone thinks they are something. Do you remember a few months ago when President Trump was suffering from COVID and he was in hospital and he emerged from the hospital and he declared to the world that he had beaten it. And then he went on to say that, well, I must be sort of covered in a, some sort of glue that protects me from these things. You know, you know, whatever we think of President Trump, there is one thing that is unmistakable is that he certainly thinks he is something. But it's not only the likes of Mr. Trump who think they are something. It's people like us. And if you can't stoop to help someone else, then it's because you think you are something. And it is pride that stops you helping other people. And going on again into this passage, down into verse five, I notice that what Paul is actually doing here is that he distinguishes between heavy loads and light loads. Now, perhaps as you read verse five, you might think that it contradicts what you see in verse two. For instance, in verse two, it says, carry each other's burdens. In verse five, it says, each person should carry their own load. But as you look deeply into this text, and it's the Greek can help you a little bit here, not that I'm sure too many of you will know of that, but I've read about it. In verse two, it uses the word baros, which means a heavy load. And in verse five, it's the word fortion, which means literally a man's backpack or a light load. The meaning, of course, as you see that difference is clear. Some things are too heavy. You can't carry them by yourself. You need help to carry those things. And other things in life are simply your backpack and you get on with carrying that because not everything in your life is a crisis. You don't need to phone 999. You don't need to phone or to organize an emergency meeting. So you need to carry your own backpack. But some things in life are too heavy for you to carry alone, so you need the help of other believers. And what we need to do is to find the difference between what is a heavy burden and what is your casual backpack? Even reading through the pages of the Bible, you find instances of people who recognize that they were not sufficient themselves to do it. At one point, Moses, 
In Numbers chapter 11, verse 14, he said, I am not able to carry all this people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. And in Exodus chapter 18, Jethro, his father-in-law, told him, Moses, what you are doing is not good. This is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. I have been looking at these few tiny little verses in Galatians chapter six. And what I find in these verses, as I hope it's been coming across, are practical suggestions that actually strengthen our relationships, one with another in church. And by doing these things, we actually get a sense of value and purpose for living. This is something that God is calling me to do. Therefore, it gives significance to my life. So if we're sitting at home and we're we're thinking to ourselves at times, those times when I'm sure we have all questioned, what's this all about? What's the purpose of all of this? Is this all that I'm going to experience? As you see in these verses, here is a sense of purpose for your life. Now, ultimately, it is Jesus who carries our burdens. But we are encouraged to bring other people to Jesus that he might carry their burdens. And we do that as we pray. I've been encouraged by seeing some of the reminders even in church over this past week in the WhatsApp group, Women at Maze, and some of the other things that I've been hearing about, about how we are attempting to support one another and to pray for one another. And there will be times when we will do that alone. We can do that in the secrecy of our, of our own bedroom or our own living room. We can pray for other people and we, and we do that as individuals by ourselves. But surely there is also this aspect when we literally have a sense of togetherness and we carry each other's burdens together. And we do that as we pray and part of our burden sharing is that we pray for each other together. You know, every other Wednesday evening, we have our prayer gathering. We don't call that a prayer meeting. Have you ever noticed that? The reason we don't call it a prayer meeting and we call it a prayer gathering is that we're trying to give this sense of the corporate nature of what we're doing, that we gather as God's people to pray. Now, this may be a bit of an aside, but I think it's important. If we, as a church, are to be a church and not simply a club, then we will find our truest purpose. We will find our our chief value as we are carrying one another's burdens, as we are praying together. And certainly at the moment, the the greatest impact that COVID will have upon people is this sense of, of isolation, that people are alone and they're having to carry their burdens alone. But the joy of the Christian is that experience of being able to pray with one another. 
being able to literally hear the prayers of God's people and to be lifted in that sense and in that experience. And thereby we meet God and we find the grace of God being poured into our lives. Twenty-four years ago to this day, I was installed to the oversight of this congregation at Mays. And in five months, I will, will be able to clock up 20 years of looking after the congregation of Ballanderry. And looking back over 10, 20, 25 years, we can see how God has worked and God has been moving among us and what God has brought to pass. And I wonder in another 10 or 20 years, as we further then look back and see what God has been doing, and as we try and understand what God has been doing, and as we try to explain to others what God has been doing, my hope, my prayer, is that we will not be able to explain what happened among us without reference to the Holy Spirit. I don't want our efforts in church to be explained in any other way except by reference to the Spirit of God. And that's why it's important that we pray and we pray and carry one another's burdens. So I'm asking you today about what the priority of prayer is in your life. And I want to encourage you to step into the adventure of following God and the adventure of prayer that we might live as Spirit-filled believers brothers and sisters in Christ, carrying one another's burdens. The final scene in Tolkien's book, The Return of the King, at least in the film version, has Frodo, the hoppet, nearing the end of his journey and about to leave the ring into the fires of Mount Doom. He's weary, he's burdened, He's worn out, and his loyal, faithful friend, Sam, is beside him. And with tears in his eyes, Sam says, Mr. Frodo, I may not be able to carry that burden for you, that ring for you, but I can carry you. And perhaps that's a message for us. We may not be literally able to step into someone's shoes, but we can pray for them and we can bring them before the Lord. And this is our encouragement to be the people of God, the Spirit-filled people of God, praying that God would be among us. Let us pray. Our Father, we pray that we would be attentive to one another, that we would be concerned for one another, that we would pray for one another. Father, work in our hearts, fill us with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we would be people who are changed because you have worked so deeply and powerfully in us 
Fill us, Lord, that we might be your agents of change and good in our church and in this world. Amen.